Hello and welcome to On The Way Moments, a podcast from St. Anthony on the desert in beautiful Arizona. But today we actually took it on the road and here we are in beautiful, sunny, superior Arizona. Uh, the podcast here is what we, we get people's stories and hear about their On The Way Moments and, and their backstories. And today we have a very special guest, uh, James Bruzy. Uh, I'm excited to welcome here. James has a, an amazing story to tell, and that's why we're here today in Superior. So, welcome, James. Well, thank you. Well, it's great to be <laughs> it's here. It's good to be here. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. <laughs> so, we start by just can you just give us a little background about about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I was I was born in Connecticut. Okay. Um, I I went to college in Rhode Island. Uh, shortly after college, I moved to Arizona. Um, when I first got here, I lived in Chandler. Um, I had a chain of coffee shops in the valley to start with, and that I also had a landscaping company at the same time. The coffee shops ended up being a victim of the recession, but the landscaping company actually did really well during that time. Um, then I ended up selling that company. I worked at St. Anthony on the Desert for, for some time, and now I have uh, started a vineyard in Young, Arizona, which is in Gila County. And uh, here right now today, we are in our, our first remote tasting room, which is in Superior. Okay. So how, I mean, that was a lot, right? That was, was <laughs> awesome. That was all my questions, actually. <laughs> so tell us um, about how did you, how did coffee become your, your thing when you were chain of coffee? So actually, that was a, a business that I had come up with when I was in college okay. with, um, with a few of my friends. So we actually had a business plan before I even came out to Arizona that we were going to open a coffee shop called Nomad Coffee. Okay. And um, it was this very specific business plan. It was it was a coffee shop based in Fountain Hills. Okay. And um, while I was driving around Fountain Hills looking at locations, I found a coffee shop there that was for sale. And that's Mountain View Coffee Company. It's still, still there today. And I thought that was a pretty great name. So we ended up making the, the parent company was Nomad Coffee okay. LLC. And so that still came to fruition. And then Mountain View Coffee Company was the the trade name that we we operated under. Okay. And do you still like coffee? Of course. I still like coffee. <laughs> of course. That's a lifelong love. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Like you can never go wrong there. Yep. Even even now we have a espresso have, machine. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you yes. still got all that good stuff Always. there. Yeah. Custom roasted coffee beans. <laughs> oh wow. Yep. Really? Yep. Well, there you, you go. Right here. He has some. He has some here <laughs> in the remote tasting room. Um, so the move to Young and experience. How's where? Where is Young? So Young is have? is right in the center of Gila County. Okay. Um, and Gila County is kind of a um, almost like a sideways eight shape with uh, Payson at one end mm -hmm. and Globe at the other. So okay. um, if you've been to Payson, you've been to Gila County. If you've been to Globe, you've been to Gila County. Um, but Young is definitely it's a, it's a remote community. It's um, it's about a two hour drive from the the next big town. Yeah. Um, it is only reachable by dirt roads, so it's it's almost like like going to an island, you know. It's really it's a little little community way out in the middle of the forest. I've been there a couple times, and it is in a it is on a dirt road, mm -hmm. and it's it's awesome to get there, and it's it's a it was it's a beautiful community. It is. I mean, it's, it's it's yeah. You you know. I mean, you're there obviously. It is. It's spectacularly beautiful, especially right now with the monsoons, yeah. everything being so green. Yeah. Oh, I bet it's even greener up there. And amazing. it's like 20 degrees cooler. Oh, yeah. Usually 20 to 30 yeah. degrees cooler than Phoenix, which is a relief. It's nice. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you saw the house in Fountain Hills. Do you get over there? And, uh, I do. The yeah. Beach. From time to time, I have to go <laughs> shopping. So, so I, I end up sweating and then running back up the mountain as fast as I can. Just to get. Yep. Yeah. I need to eat cooler again. As soon as my, it feels hot. You it's know, too gotta, hot. 
Gotta, gotta get to a higher <laughs> elevation. <laughs> so I guess I, I never realized that vineyards were a thing in Arizona until actually you and I had talked about that. So how did how did vineyard how did wine become a part of your? So it was it was actually just it was something that was relatively unplanned. You know, um, the vineyard actually started as my weekend house. It was just a, a kind of retreat, like a one bedroom cabin. Um, and, but it was an 18 acre property wow. and it had historically been farmed as, um, um pinto beans or oh, black wow. eyed peas rather. Yeah. And, um, so that, that was, it was a, a property that, you know, wasn't currently in agriculture, but all like the stones had been cleared. It was ready for agriculture hmm. basically. So, um, the idea of the grapes was, was first to just have a nice drive up to the house, just kind of as decoration. Um, and you know, kind of planting the first grapes, it was just based on just names, you know, right. you know, like, like Cabernet or, or whatever, you know? And, um, so we would just plant these vines and they would die in the winter time. It would be too cold or the climate wouldn't be right. And it, it don't, it kind of became this challenge, you yeah. know? And then, um, my dad ended up retiring out in Arizona. He, he came out and he was a, uh, a commercial landscaper his whole life. Okay. So, um, as time went on, you know, I would, I would come up on weekends and suddenly there was a, a vineyard there <laughs> and, um, it, it kind of got to where there was, there was 5,000 grapevines wow. and it was this, this, we really have to do something with this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we reached out to, to winemakers all over the, the Southwest, um, at, at the first round, every single one just told us no. Wow. We're the, the first commercial vineyard in Gila County and we're <laughs> over a hundred miles from yeah. the next wine growing region yeah. and you know it's we're we're way out there and so you know after after that first round it was i kind of re went back to my list you know the, the first approach was was this you know like good evening would you like to buy my grapes you know just <laughs> very like you know like, like oh, maybe overly professional right, right you know and then then went back the second time through that list and was like you know if i could pick one person or mm. one company to work with who would it be? Yeah. And and that was Eric Glomsky at Page Frank Cellars. And he's kind of the a legend of, of Arizona wine. Okay. You know, so I I went back to him and but with a diff completely different approach this time, something more along the lines of like, please, please help me. <laughs> you know, and, and so um and, and I get it, you know, you they get a lot of calls. We get a lot of calls, there'll be people that have three grapevines in their yard and, and call because they're ready to make their make vintage. This wine? <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I understand the rep, yeah. the apprehension now, you know? Um, but he came out and he was, he was very impressed and, uh, we've been partnered with, with page wow. sellers ever since. So we, um, we do what's called a custom cross agreement where we produce our wine at their winery okay. in the Verde Valley. Um, and they have, you know, some world-class winemakers, world-class facilities, and just a pleasure to work with. Wow, that's yeah. I didn't I didn't realize wine was a thing in Arizona. I don't know why I'm I'm becoming new to the wine scene. It so is, you know, yes. it's something that has kind of kind of it, there is actually a history of winemaking in Arizona prior to the um, oh my goodness, what's it called the prohibition? Yes. Oh, oh wow. Prior to the prohibition, really. That, for some reason, that word is foreign. That was to my a tough mind. one. <laughs> Being in the wine business, you know, you know, it just is, doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't come resonate. Out right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before the prohibition, there had been a, a significant wine growing operation okay. in, in Sedona, and um, that was kind of the first initial vineyards in Arizona, and those were removed during the prohibition, mm -hmm. and. 
um, it kind of, the industry kind of went dormant for a, a very long time. And starting in the, in the seventies and eighties, you know, some vineyards started planting out in Southern Arizona and, okay. and the, and the industry has kind of just, you know, just grown and grown and grown. I think, I think now we're, we're close to around 200 wow. wineries in the state. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And, and yeah, I've heard because I, I, I know you and you've had some awards we from have, your yes. wines. Yes. yes, we have. Uh, we've we've entered our wines um, in a lot of different competitions. Um, one of one of the one we're most proud of is it was under uh, when we were working with Arizona Stronghold making our wine. Um, the Vidal Blanc, which is our grapes that we grow in Young, won best wine in the state of Arizona. So That's that incredible. Was, it is. It is. It know, actually is quite incredible. It is it's so good. It is. We had a, I had tasted a little right before. It was. It was very nice. We're we're very very proud of our wine. We work yeah. very hard every year to make sure that our entire collection is world class. You know, it's not a a flight where it'll be. You know, oh that's okay. You know, we don't we don't keep dump buckets in our tasting room um, because generally people don't dump their wine. Right. They drink it. They drink it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good thing. So, how what happens if you have a bad crop? Um, I mean, have you had that happen yet? You know, knock on wood. Yeah, right? Thank God. I mean, agriculture is agriculture. Right. Um, for example, our you know our our vintages can fluctuate dramatically, especially in grape yields. Um, in 2019, for example, that was probably our worst year growing so okay. far. Um, we had a late frost. We had a series mm -hmm. of late frosts after the grapes were out that kind of like frost burned the vines. Uh, Vidal Blanc, the, the varietal that we grow, one of the features of it is that it can do a second flower. So if it is hit by a frost, it can reflower oh. and still have a crop. Um, but then that second crop got hit by a very violent hailstorm <laughs> in August, which then attracted uh, bees and birds. Oh, and then man. there was a drought at the same time so being the only piece of greenery for a very very long distance we attracted many elk and so that year we shared a lot of our grapes with nature that's very nice of you mm -hmm. not on purpose and i figured are, did you get a scarecrow were you out we there? tried we were tried like, get I mean, out of here I mean, yeah yeah it was it was really a 24-hour <laughs> oh, day operation for man. a while you know but yeah. Elk don't really care what you think. No, they don't. No. Yeah, they're going to eat. <laughs> they don't. So we, we actually learned a lot from that year. Um, that was, and we ended up having still, you know, a, a ton and a half harvest, which yeah. is, is a fairly decent. Um, but then compare that to 2020. Last year we had over, I think somewhere around 15 tons was our harvest. So <laughs> it's, it's agriculture. You know, this, this year we did get hit by an early frost okay. again, but we did have that second flower. So we're, we're, you know, on track to have a harvest this year that will be late. Okay. Um, but it, it's kind of this, you know, it's, it's, we've always really tried hard to work with nature rather than to control it. Well, you can't control it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't, we don't apply any weed sprays. We do all of our weeding by hand. Wow. It's a very, very labor. Yeah. Intensive. Intensive. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> very labor intensive. Um, but it's in the long run, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, we get our groundwater from an aquifer there, and wow. so it's it's you know it, it's it's our land, it's our our water. So it's really you know kind of important to be a good steward of that. I think that's yeah, very true. Mm -hmm. So how did how are we now sitting in Superior? How did you get down to here? So that's that's a, a really tasting. fun story actually. So um, actually, one of one of the things that we've really made a mission of our business is to um, invest in local agriculture okay. as much as possible. You know, support other small farmers, small producers, small artisans, um, and really kind of incubate that industry as much as possible. 
And um, we uh, actually, there, there was an organization called the Food Hub, um, of which Mila, um, mm-hmm. who you also interviewed, the mayor of Superior, <laughs> she was a part of. And um, they actually came to Young one day as they, they reached out, you know, and that was often Young is overlooked. You know, often we are, we're overlooked as a very small, remote community with maybe even a reputation of, of being unwelcoming to outsiders, you know. So often we've been overlooked. And, and it was really one of the first times that I saw another organization actually reaching out mm-hmm. to our community. Feel like an interest. And exactly. And, and, the, and, you know, their whole purpose is to generate a local food system. And that was something that, that was already a passion of ours, already an involvement of ours. So um, we started working close with the Food Hub. Uh, we started doing events in Superior, like the Prickly Pear Festival. Okay. And um, it, it became apparent very quickly that Superior loves our wine. And, and it became apparent really quickly that we love Superior too. You know, and, and we, we can open a tasting room anywhere in the state with our, our Series 19. But in, so we could have opened in Cottonwood or Old Town yeah. Scottsdale or, you know, where everyone else has theirs. But I, I see Superior as a town that is, has incredible potential. Yeah. I think, you know, with the, the leadership here, with the work that Mila does as the mayor, it's, it's one of the most vibrant rural towns in, in the entire Southwest. Yeah. And with that sort of investment from the government, it leads to business people investing. Yep. And we wanted to be a leader of that. We wanted to be here first and, and really we we were able to prove a concept here that this is you know that that this this will work in superior the superior is is absolutely ready for businesses like this and is absolutely welcoming and and encouraging of entrepreneurial efforts absolutely and that's and that's such an important thing especially in small towns it is entrepreneurial small business you know give everyone a chance that has it's very special very special yeah absolutely so i know (laughs) So, any other ideas for remote uh, tasting rooms? Any locations? Oh, Phoenix. That's, that's <laughs> well, a good question. Fine. You know, um, <laughs> we opened this one too because of its proximity to Phoenix. Um, being young, it is it is a bit of a drive. We'll drive and up there, yeah. Can get a little bumpy. So, not everybody wants to necessarily drive too young. And Superior is only about an hour away yeah, from from the enough. valley. It's a beautiful highway drive to get here. Um, so this this really has appealed a lot more to our, our valley-based customers. Right now, we don't have any plans to open new tasting rooms. We always, you know, keep options open. Yeah. We can open two under our license. So, um, you know, there always is an option to open one at some point. Yeah. But, yeah, as of right now, nice. we're, we're very happy with our two. Yeah, and we are too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, um, so... You and I actually met because you go. You went to St. Anthony, and we we got to know each other on at Haiti. So talk yes. about your Haiti experience. Yes. So wow, this is a great story. <laughs> um, so uh, when it, when I was attending St. Anthony, I did the EFM program, mm-hmm. and at that time, um, David Page was in charge of the EFM program. And um, for anybody who remembers David, he was just one of the most amazing people I've yeah, ever met in my life. Seriously. One of the most inspirational. And incredible people and um, for anyone that doesn't know EFM is uh, it, it's education for ministry is what it stands for it's a, um, a multi-year program um, and it's it was just it was really an incredible experience yeah. it really was and and I, I, I feel so lucky to have, have you know I've been able to to have David right. in those classes 
And um, one of the days, you know, I, I remember seeing the, the things being going around with St. Anthony about about that that David was planning a mission trip to Haiti. Um, and I read the thing, and, and it was kind of like, you know, if you're if you're high maintenance, you shouldn't go. And I was like, all right, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna like, go. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this doesn't sound like it's for me. And um, and then one day uh, after after the AFM class, David just just came up to me and he said, "So you're you're I'm actually go. going to Haiti?" And I was like, "Oh, okay." So because you don't say no to David, Page. you don't say no. that's exactly how I got to Absolutely. Haiti in 2014. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was that was pretty much it. Okay. Um, so we 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 went. Um, I, that's I've been there. Say, how many times did you go? Twice. I, twice two at least. Three? Yeah, it might have been three, but at least twice. Yeah. Um, there was two two full mission trips for sure, yeah. um, and it was just a, a another just completely life changing experience. Yeah. It was it was the most beautiful place I've ever seen. It was the most terrible place I've ever seen. <laughs> it was just to see you know people just live their lives completely in the open there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's and yeah. but yet at the same time there's there they have so much joy joy in their lives and joy of of in what they do and pride in the community. In, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and it, it was, it's beautiful. It was beautiful to see that, yeah. you know, often, you know, especially in kind of, kind of like these, these wealthier places, even like Scottsdale, yeah. it's like you see people that, that have everything and are, are so unhappy, yeah. you know, and, and people in Haiti have nothing and, and they're the so happy <laughs> and they, and, and I mean, they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They don't know what, what the future holds, but it's, they, they've, genuinely learn to live in the moment there yeah it's, it's a beautiful country for it sure is. and uh, hopefully we'll get to go back in yes I, in I the hope future so in a few few years but um so speaking of the future what are your plans for the future still going to run the i mean you're still obviously doing the, the vineyard thing yep. the other yep absolutely I, I try to to really not plan too hard i love it you know I've, I've kind of found with this this journey that it is better to not plan you know, I, I think that that there's been a lot of a lot of a lot of forks in the road that if I had had maybe had a plan, I might have taken a different direction, and that that this entire organization and concept and the community built around it is something that has grown organically. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's just kind of one of those things that that. I'd rather watch it grow and see where it takes yeah. where it takes me than to try to control where it goes. Yep. You know, that's a yeah, absolutely, totally get that. So speaking of um, moments that could take you a different route, um, we always ask every one of our guests uh, an on the way moment mm. of, in your life. So something that happened in your life that may have changed the course of that you thought you were going to go a different direction, but it took you a different. Absolutely, I have a, a great story about Haiti for that. All actually. right, I love it. Um, so, so you you've been to Haiti, you know yeah. that the the power can be intermittent. <laughs> yes. Um, it's especially at night, you know, the power when the can... air comes on and then it clicks off. Exactly, exactly. And I remember there was um, there was one evening in the the guest house there on one of the trips. Um, it was it was late. I, I think Janine, the the housekeeper, she had already gone to bed, you know, and um, there was there was someone knocking on the door of the guest house and it was it was to be honest a little bit creepy you know yeah, a little bit yeah and um went and, and kind of like cracked the door unlocked all the locks you know cracked the door and it was one of one of the doctors from the hospital mm. and you just look at him and just see that you know he was just heartbroken you know and 
And um, so he came in, he asked for a beer out of the fridge, I was like, of course, you know, and we, I kept my uh, Coke bottles in the, frozen in the freezer. So I grabbed one of those and, um, and he was, he just sat down and, and, and talked about his night and about that, that, that night there was a, a child that had been brought into the hospital that was, by the time that they had gotten there, it was, it was too late that the, mm. the caregivers for the child had gone to a church before they had gone to the hospital. And it was something that, that if, if medical care could have been gotten to the child sooner, but it could, it, they, de- they definitely would have survived. And so it was one of those things that you could just see, you know, just, just the heaviness, the heaviness on him. And, and just as it was, that was, was really a pivotal life changing moment for me. Just, just seeing, you know, someone that does so much with so little relentlessly and constantly, you know, seeing that hospital and seeing what it runs off of and, and what they are able yeah. to do with literally nothing a lot of the time. Yeah. And, and you know, that these people actually work miraculous work every single day yeah. with resources that, you know, most, most school nurses here right. have, yep. you know, just very, very like not, not advanced technology, not, and, and, but meanwhile, they, they take what they have and they, they do their absolute best absolute with it, best. Yeah. you know? And I think that's, that's a lesson to, to take to life, yeah. you know, is. And they, they definitely, you're, you're absolutely right. Cause they, they value all the resources, no matter what they have. Exactly. More or less. It just goes back to that Haitian community, that Haitian culture of, we don't have a lot. Exactly. But we're going to use what we do have. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, thank you, James, for sharing that. I think that's a. A good, a good reminder. So thank you. Yeah. So uh, one of the things we also like to ask is, where can people find you online? Are you on social media? Oh yes, we're on all oh, the social media. I medias. wonder. So uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook at uh, uh, Facebook slash Bruzy Vineyard. Okay. You can find us on Instagram at Bruzy Vineyard. You can find us on YouTube at Bruzy Vineyard, where you can find some of my culinary videos. Culinary. All very, right. Very, very fascinating. <laughs> you can find us now on TikTok. Wow. TikTok, Bruce Vineyard. And you can also find us on our website at www.brucevineyard.com. And all of those will be in the show notes right below us. So we can, you can get on TikTok and dance, <laughs> dance. Isn't that videos. a dance, dancing? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then thinking, because the young, you guys have a, a restaurant too, correct? Mm, yes, we do. So we it's have not a, just the, the, the wine. Absolutely. Yeah, but our, we have a full service tasting room okay. there. So uh, our tasting room in Young is open every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday okay. from 12 noon to 6 p.m. for wine tastings, daytime dining. Uh, we also offer llama meet and greets. We have a herd of rescue llamas that you can you can meet at our Please, vineyard. please go and meet the llamas. You absolutely should. <laughs> you should. They are, they are awesome. incredible. Um, and then every night we, at 6 p.m., we offer a set menu, reservation-only dinner. Um, so that's, that changes every night. Okay. And then at least once a month, we do a brunch on okay. a Sunday, which is usually midday. And then we do special events regularly. We've been doing historic dinners every month. Our, in September, we're doing a pirate dinner. We're doing dinner at Dracula's Castle in October. And in November, we're doing Pan Am. Which where we are recreating actual menus from Pan Am World Airways. 
I and I've I've heard a rumor it. that that Jill might be there to <laughs> in a full flight attendant outfit to serve everyone and direct Please. direct passengers. It's a rumor. Jill, a rumor was, and Jill, Jill, this isn't a rumor, but she was a flight attendant. That is for that, years, that is so a fact. That we hopefully she will guide us yes, to the food. I hope so. so. I hope so. It is it's a, a, a dream, but I hope it comes true. <laughs> and so you are also the the obviously the creative director of Brucey Vineyards menu. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So we also do our, our, uh, our quarterly solstice and equinox dinners, all right, which are really spectacular. Yeah. Um, live music, we have a Choctaw medicine woman. Um, they're just they're spectacular events, just multi course, nice. um, incredible. So, yeah. is there lodging in Young? There is absolutely. Okay. There's there's and there's a, a full range of options. Okay. So, for example, if you like something a little more high end, we recommend uh, Tierra Madre Vineyard, which is a, a newer uh, vineyard in Young. Has oh. a beautiful bed and breakfast on okay. site there. And you know, there's there's everything right down to camping in the forest. Okay. There you go. You know, um, on our property, we do the harvest host program, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, people with RVs can come spend the night okay. and um, dry camp on our property. Okay, so we do up to five of those per night. Well, there you go. So if you have, there's options. There yeah, is options. So you don't have to there drive, is. of course. And, exactly. Yeah, and then and here in Superior, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This location here is open uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. Uh, from 12 noon to 6 p.m. Okay. Perfect. So, and reservations are required at both places, right? Reservations are not required. Uh, they are required for for the dinners in Young. Okay. We we recommend reservations. Okay. Um, this location being a little bit smaller, it just makes it easier to ensure seating. Perfect. And in Young, you know, uh, it just it just works a little better if you make a reservation. Just yeah, it just helps everybody. Out. Exactly. So, well, again, thank you, James, for thank your you. time today. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And so that's it for our episode today. Be sure to give us a like, give us a, a comment, a thumbs up, all that good stuff. We're on YouTube, iTunes, wherever you get your um, podcasts. So until next time, be on the lookout for your own on-the-way moments. Bye for now. <laughs>